do we just start with the song or should we or should we try and do a cold open or what should we do um so my roommate just shouted i hope he's okay (laughs) 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 so that's all um i'm gonna ignore that though like i do most days (laughs) Welcome in the Sunwet Mobile. When we drop data, it's not anecdotal. Talking to ladies, mobile trends with highlighting the surges and descends. Yeah, this is an original series from Aptopia. The intelligence provider here to help focus you. I'm growing your mobile app and putting you on the map. So when people pull out their phone, it's the first thing they want to tell. So crack yourself a bit and give a listen here because the best podcast in mobile just landed in your ear. All right, welcome, welcome into Somewhat Mobile. Uh, today we're going to talk about Zillow. Uh, Madeline got deep into some some real estate action. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, and then we have we have an interview with Hama Games, uh, and they are hyper casual games publisher. We'll talk about Airbnb and the situation with uh, you know hotel versus what do you even call Airbnb? What is that? A a rental a, a, a rental rental app. A what rental app? A vacation rental app. Bingo. We'll talk about those. Talk Nailed about Airbnb, <laughs> and then we'll, uh, we'll we'll touch on Reels, uh, Instagram's uh, you know feature competitor to to TikTok. Um, without further ado, let's talk real estate. All right, let's get into Zillow. So uh, last week they broke their record for engagement. They saw their highest number of daily active users in the app's history. That came out to about two point one seven million daily active users. Um, and I just should note though, that they have since beaten that record since I first did my research and now okay. they're at like 2.23 million daily active users. So what you're saying is it's just going up. It's just going up. It's just going up. And to be fair, like it's not a crazy happening because they were steadily growing for quite some years. If you look at their growth, they've seen much more positive upward growth than a lot of their competitors. Uh, but like most people, like a lot of apps, um, they did have a dip around April or so. At the okay. COVID. Sure. Um, and there was so much uncertainty. No one knew what was going on. The world shut down. Nobody knows, you know? So because of that, they, their engagement declined. Um, and that's why their growth is such a big deal because like now they've picked it back up and they're doing better than they were doing before COVID. Right. And so are you one of those uh, daily active users? Oh, actually, I should ask, is this worldwide? Is this U.S.? Are they in a bunch of markets? Yeah, so this, uh, I mostly looked at worldwide data. Okay. Um, okay. U.S. data, though, I think they also broke their record for, yeah. yeah, U.S. Are you one of these daily active users? Yeah, 100%. I have gone through a nightmarish apartment search this summer. So if anyone else is feeling that pain, I'm with you. You're not alone. And I spent like every experiment I had on the Zillow app. Did you, and did you at all try other uh, like real, real estate broker apps, whatever they're called, or were you like Zillow's my jam and why Zillow? I'm just curious from a personal perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Good. No, these are good questions. I went, I did, I think briefly go on apartments.com. It was fine. It's fine. I don't really have anything negative to say about apartments.com. Yeah. Um, no one does. Uh, 
Yeah. You know, who does? No, I'm just kidding. You can go into the reviews. There's probably some negative ones. Yeah. And we can go into those reviews, FYI, with review analysis by Aptopia. Uh, but anyway, I went on apartments.com. I also went on this thing called Hot Pads, which I actually don't believe is an app. If it is, I like Hot Pads. You like Hot Pads. Okay. I'd like to hear more about that. That's all. I just, I've only, I honestly think I just, I've stumbled upon it one day and I like like clicking on the houses and I'm sure every app has that, but I was like, got it. This is the one it's doing the job. I'm there. Yeah. Well, I love, I actually love hot pads too. I like the interface, but I've only been on website. Once again, I don't Same. know. Um, Zillow is most convenient because hello, it has an app. It probably like ranks first. Um, or it does actually for all those apps. And so you just end up on Zillow. I also find that like some of those other apps maybe either don't have the selection or like maybe aren't updated the same way. I don't know. Right. So, so I looked into this a little bit. What are the, the, uh, the top apps, I think, according to your research, I believe they were, it was like Zillow, Realtor.com, Trulia, yep. Apartments.com. Was there another Redfin. one? Redfin. Yes. Okay. And so I went and I was like, all right, Zillow's crushing it. Um, can I learn anything from their user reviews? And so I, I went and did like a, uh, an analysis of these apps and their user reviews and Zillow was, you would say the second best, but realtor.com actually, uh, even though it has less performance metrics than, than Zillow, Mm -hmm. it's both number of reviews and positive sentiment of those reviews were like far and away above the rest of the real estate market, which was really interesting. Wow. Um, so that led me to believe like, all right, well, if everyone just freaking loves realtor.com, Zillow must be, you know, making a name for itself through maybe they have more advertising, marketing budget, whatever it is. But um, so I dug into the realtor.com uh, reviews and I was like, why do people love this freaking app? Yeah. And by the way, when you look at, when you look at the reviews, you can see, uh, like a bunch of people in the realtor.com app uh, mentioning Zillow and a bunch of people in the Zillow app mentioning realtor.com. So it's like, it's clear that people are trying and using different apps and comparing them. And so what people liked about realtor.com was that they said it had the most uh, consistent updated info, like when a house went on the market, it got taken off the market, which by the way, was an issue for me with hot pads uh, that it got updated on realtor.com. But speaking of my experience with hot pads, I would, I would go in and click on something and they'd be like, Hey, it's sold. And I'm like, well, you're probably sick of getting these emails. So remove it yourself or tell the company to her like, what's going on? Right. Well, you bring up a good point. The one thing I'm wondering though, so realtor.com is number two to Zillow. Yeah. Realtor.com actually has two apps, um, realtor.com and realtor.com for rentals. Oh, I didn't look at the rentals. So that's why I wonder too, like, if you think about just home buyers and renters, I feel like okay. the people that are going to have the most negative experiences probably are renters. Technically, Zillow has a rental app too, yep. but um, you can use their main Zillow app for renting. And okay. Buying. This is a good point. That's probably why they have. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I just like wonder, like, I know it's uh, buying and renting is like definitely a different experience and like who's driving all this new engagement renters, buyers, window shoppers. Right. That is interesting. Yeah. I did see that. I saw, I saw Zillow's app. Their rental app was like down the list. They're obviously not pouring a bunch of, mm-hmm. bunch of fire or gasoline on that fire. I should say. Um, right. The other thing that, I paused and said, 
Oh, yeah, uh, apparently, and I can't speak to this because, again, I haven't really used these apps in depth, but something that I saw consistently was for Realtor.com, the searchability, like you could go, you could get more granular in your searching on Realtor.com for like, and people who like, they're going in there, they freaking, they know exactly what they're looking for. And so they like narrow it down to a T, uh, you know, allegedly Realtor.com, uh, let you get a little more nitty gritty there and, and the users love it. That's huge. That could have maybe helped me get an apartment like with a dishwasher or something. Ooh, this is this apartment here is the first time I've had a dishwasher and it's a game changer. Oh yeah. I'm I'm trying not to stress about it. So um yeah, especially in in corona times when you're like at home cooking and everything. All right, don't rub it in. You're (laughs) for years. For years. I know I know the pain you're living. I understand. We, Megan and I, my girlfriend, we would, uh, instead of, you know, having to constantly wash so many dishes, we would be like, all right, we're sharing a plate for lunch, breakfast, dinner, yes. you know, yes. one fork or two. Should we splurge? I don't know. That's what I'm going to do. I'm like, I'm going to eat oatmeal in the same bowl every day. <laughs> like, that's the plan. Because anything else sounds miserable. Dude, it's... Anyway. It's tough out there if you don't get a dishwasher. But we should we should say the real estate market in general, though. I I have I have a friend who was looking for a house, and I have uh, so we're saying the app data like it makes a bunch of sense, right? I have a friend who was looking for a house. Every house that he um, he was offering like fifty grand over asking on every house, and he was getting denied on every house. So the interest, the level of interest is massive. And I have another friend who was actually a real estate broker, and she was uh, incredibly busy for. I think it like just started to actually die down for a few months there. So I, I guess people are, you know, you see these articles, they're moving away, you know, uh, especially like in our space, you, you go to New York, you go to San Francisco, and those are places that cost a lot to live and you don't necessarily have a ton of space, but the virus has obviously changed all this. And so people are like, I want more space. I want a home. And they're moving out of the city into the yeah. suburbs and it's a hot market. Yeah, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up because that is definitely what's happening. I know a lot of people that are just either leaving the city or like in my case, I'm moving in with the old, the old boyfriend, the old ball and chain because (laughs) it's safer during these times. And also I love them, but you know what I mean? Like, and also you love them. Yeah. People are moving accordingly. And while we're on this note though, too, people are fleeing commercial real estate is being Mm -hmm. badly affected so if you look at the blog i just did a quick note on like an app called loopnet real estate which is one of the bigger commercial real estate apps and uh that one obviously plummeted and has really struggled to recover so probably that's a great point to see that nice well well well-rounded research thanks very much check it out at blog.uptopia.com that's right uh, should we, let's, let's, uh, toss it over to our interview with Hama Games. It was, uh, senior, well, you know what, as soon as the interview starts, you're going to, you're going to get his name and everything. So you don't do need it. to hear that twice. Yeah. Here we go. All right. We are welcoming in the senior, uh, publishing manager, Erwan Thabu from Hama Games. Welcome, Erwan. How you doing? Welcome. I'm good. Thank you very much. Hello, hello. Hello. Um, all right, so let's just jump right in. Uh, like, what what sure. what is your your background, and and how did you end up at Hama? Um, sure. So uh, I've been working in uh, for almost like ten years now. I started working for a company called Orange, a telco company, 
in London for four years as a publisher manager. So working more, not really on mobile, but more on the, on the web part of the business. And then I moved to, to Google after four years, um, uh, working on web and mobile and being a business development manager, uh, basically working on the monetization solution uh, for like, you know, massive uh, web publishers and also uh, mobile developers. And then I left like, Google after four years uh, to be like a consultant. So being like an independent consultant in mobile, Actually, the master plan was to work with many, many developers, but uh, after like, you know, sending a few emails, I ended up only working with one developer exclusively uh, based in Monaco, and together we launched like a few games. So nothing to do with um, hyper-casual games, but more towards uh, board games and, and puzzle games. Um, and then after two years, I just decided it was time to, to be back to the corporate life, as we call it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I joined like, you know, Oma Games uh, earlier this year. And I'm also a kind of a dev because I launched a few games myself with uh, nice. some friends at Google. Uh, so I had no idea how to code on Unity, but uh, I'm a bit more like, you know, the business guy behind, behind this, basically. Awesome. Um, yeah, the, the, the Unity engine might be in trouble, but uh, that's a topic for another day. Uh, or not the yeah. Unity, I'm sorry, the, the un Unreal. I messed up. Um, oh, yeah, I was like, <laughs> Unity? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They both begin with use. It, it throws me off. Um, all right, so so you you already mentioned Hama Games is a is a games publisher, obviously, but you guys specialize in hyper casual games. So can you talk to, to us like a little bit about what exactly is that business model and what does it mean for you guys? Yeah, so we are like uh, I think one of the leading I would say entertainment mobile uh, company in the world at the moment, and as you said rightly, we specialize in hyper casual. So maybe I can touch base on what's an hyper casual game, basically. Uh, it's something that is uh, super easy to understand, super easy to play, super fun to play. Uh, it's definitely mass market, so anyone can basically play the game. You know, there is no age, there is no gender. Um, and the idea is like, whether you're at home or in the tube, you can download the game rapidly and get right into it. And within a few, few seconds, you understand the game and you have fun with the game. Um, so what we do is actually we partner with more than 200 studios around the world and uh, we help them to publish games. So every month they send us some prototype and then together we do the testing and then we decide whether like we're going to do uh, uh, or actually publish the game and put some you know, resources, human resources, some money of course behind to launch the game. Uh, so that's, we, we've been doing that for the past uh, almost two years now. And so, I, and I know because we've, um, we've learned from other you know, hyper-casual game publishers that sometimes they or they'll do a blend, they'll, they'll create a lot of their own games or they'll have developers uh, submit games to them because you know, a lot of times you guys will take care of like the marketing and, and some other uh, expenses. So how does it work at Hama? Do you create your own? Do you invite developers to submit things to you? Is it a blend? So we do a bit of both, but I would say 90% of our job is doing publishing. Um, so we, uh, we have contract with uh, some studios, as I said, 200 around the world, and then every month they send us some prototype. And then we work on it with them and we decide to publish or not. And then since uh, I think uh, January, we actually uh, have some developers based in Paris or in Toulouse because we have two offices now. And uh, those guys actually work on some uh, internal project. So we do mainly publishing, but we also like, you know, started doing some, uh, uh, some our own project, I would say, or gaming project, but also outside of gaming as well. Nice. So a cool. bit of both. How often do you launch these games? Um, so we don't really have a target about how many games we want to, to launch uh, in a year uh, for the reason that, uh, you know, some months we don't launch anything 
because we are really careful about the branding and the DNA. And if we are not like, you know, 100% convinced about the game uh, that, you know, all our users are going to have fun with, then we won't launch it. Um, so it depends. Sometimes uh, we would launch maybe three, four games in a month. And for two months, we won't launch any games. Again, I think because uh, we really care about the quality of the game we launched and, and the branding uh, that we don't really have a target about how many games we launch per month. Right. That makes sense. Well, what makes a very successful hyper casual game? What makes an absolute hit? I think obviously like you need to, to tick all the boxes, uh, which is mass market, you know, snackability, fun, etc., etc. But I think now, like, obviously uh, we do have a lot of competition and where you have many, many, many games. So I think uh, when you see the games and in order to generate like a download, it needs to be like, you know, a bit more innovative. Uh, mm -hmm. So maybe like, you know, showing to some users so a gameplay that they've never seen before. So trying to, to innovate on, on many fronts, it could be, of course, like, you know, the art, but also the gameplay. That's why, like, you know, again, we don't really have a target because we are trying to actually uh, uh, launch games that are maybe a bit more complex or at least mm -hmm. like, you know, completely different com compared to what we are seeing at the moment or what we have published as well at Oma Games in the past. So trying to work on every time on a new experience. Um, because if you basically focus on copycats, uh, this is not what we do, then at the end, like, you know, your game is going to be live for one month and then it's going to disappear at the right. bottom of the market. And uh, for us, like, you know, having a good game, that means that game is going to be working well, financially, of course, for the company, but also for the partners for maybe three months to six months. Also, like, you know, almost two years, we have a game that are still doing really well, even though they were launched maybe, I don't know, 16 months ago, for instance. So yeah. I think it depends about the quality of the game, for sure. Yeah, no, you're touching on our next question too. Like, what is the average lifespan of a hyper casual game? And I know that with the rise of ultra casual games too, those have even a shorter lifespan. So, um, yeah, what does it look like? Uh, I would say I've read between three to six months. Yeah. Um, but again, I think it depends about the quality of the game. If it's a game that was made within like in you know, one week, I think the lifespan is going to be maybe uh, three months. And then if you have games that are a bit more complex, uh, it could be up to like, you know, two years, especially because we, we try to actually keep our game uh, alive in a sense. So we try to, to work on it, to bring sometimes new features. Uh, that means that you played the game one year ago and you are playing the game now. I wouldn't say it would be completely different, of course, like 90% uh, of the game would be the same, but we try to actually like, you know, bring new features and uh, trying to sometimes uh, adding a new experience even after six months or one year. Interesting. Right. So yeah, I, I was under the circumstance like, Hey, if it's not working, uh, well, and maybe that's still the case, like throw it in the trash, but if it, if, if it has some life and you think you can, yeah. you know, extend its life. Yeah, sure. Throw it some, throw it some bones, some updates. Um, yeah, exactly. Do you, do you get to, uh, Erwan, do you yourself, do you get to call the shots? Like someone submits a game and you play it and you're like, this one's in or this one's out. Yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to stay objective, but to be honest, sometimes, uh, uh, I mean, after a while now, I think I've got this eye, I kind of educated my eye to actually hyper casual. So tomorrow you send me a prototype. I mean, I can't say by 100% that we're going to publish it or it's going to be working. Yeah. But given the fact that I play, I don't know, 20 games in a day, something like this, now I can definitely like a bit spot them. I'm like, yeah, there is something different or something like, you know, I never seen before. Mm -hmm. And I get super excited. 
but sometimes we test the game and actually like given the fact that it's mass market it doesn't really work as expected sure um so sometimes you know i try to you know to leave a bit the emotion i would say on the side and focus on what's important which is like you know publishing games for the company and also like you know for the studio because at the end like uh, myself i'm i'm heroin, i'm french right i'm turning 35 I'm, I'm not sure i actually represent exactly like you know the, the audience of all my games so again we try to stay objective and you know, basically uh, take all our decision based on data and not what I think uh, subjectively. So you, you just mentioned France and actually that, that sparked something in my mind. Um, you, so Hama Games is, is, is based in France. Am I correct in saying that actually? Yeah, that's correct. Based in okay. Paris. And so, and so uh, Voodoo, a, you know, one of the top, if not the top hyper casual yeah. publishers in the world, also from France. And I believe Ketchup is as well. What is it yeah. in, in the water in France that has made you guys so prolific at this? Yeah, I know it's, it's, it's actually crazy because um, like uh, last year when I was, okay, I'm going to be back to the corporate life and I want to do publishing. This is what I want to do. I was basically like everyone, you know, you basically uh, take like uh, all the company you would like to apply. And then I was saying at the end, almost 50% of them are, are actually almost headquartered in Paris. So at the end for me, it was kind of easy to find a job in a way. But I don't know. I think... Uh, I've, it's it's really hard to, to to explain maybe the quality of the engineers or um, also I think the fact that Voodoo was maybe one of the first one with SketchUp uh, maybe like you know help to actually have more competitors on on the French market yeah. uh, because we are close to them and yes they are competitors but I've got some of my friends uh, ex Googler as well who are actually working with Voodoo and we know them quite well so yes obviously we we compete sometimes on some studios but at the end we we do share quite a lot of information of course. Nice. Right. Or France just loves playing games. Like they've figured out the American dream in France. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that could be the reason, right? Um, so, you know, uh, I think I think it's pretty standard that the the monetization mechanism for for these hyper casual games is is less about you know in app purchases. Um, which, you know, you'll find from the games on the top charts, like things from, you know, Zynga and, and, and King. Um, but so for hyper-casual games, it's largely driven by advertising revenue. Is that the situation for you guys at Hama? And then, you know, do you have a significant percentage of revenue that does come from in-app purchases? Yeah, definitely. We are like a, a, an ads-based business, I would say. And I think the in-app purchase represents between, I think it's zero, between 2% and 5%. It depends about the, the, the okay. quality of the game. It depends about like, you know, how complex the game is. But, uh, you know, we are definitely, again, like an ad business uh, company. Um, but I think as, as we are doing more and more complex games, we are trying to focus on maybe in-app purchase as well. Um, so we are trying to, to understand exactly what triggers, I would say, this in-app purchase. Uh, and because we think like uh, some of our games are, are quite good and, and are definitely good enough that we could actually sometimes generate like in-app purchase and not like a classic, like no ads for one ninety nine like, you know, bucks or something like sure. this but more like you know, to unlock more features. So again, that comes to the fact that uh, we are trying to, again, yeah, launching more complex games with more value that uh, could generate like an app purchase. Yeah, that's, that's interesting because that's the one I see the most is like, you know, 99 cents or $1.99 and, and get rid of ads. Um, cool, yeah. the, the, the last question uh, for me is what, uh, what markets would you say that hyper-casual games 
are, are most successful. And you, you know, you talked about a global audience, so maybe there's not one market or maybe as Madeline said, gaming is the American dream and it's, and it's America. I don't know. But uh, what have you guys found to be, and it doesn't even have to be necessarily like what the largest market is due to, you know, population, you know, us could skew that, but maybe like percentage of total addressable market or however you guys are viewing it. So if, Basically, if we're talking value, the U.S. would be definitely like more than 50% uh, okay. in any, I would say, publishing company for sure. But we are seeing like, you know, great success in, in many countries like Brazil, uh, uh, Russia, Germany, for instance, Vietnam as well, Korea. And we are trying to tackle like, you know, the Chinese market as well, like everyone on the market for sure. Um, so I think like, uh, again, if you have access to a good internet, if you have access to a good smartphone for us, there is no limitation and we try to be uh, successful in, in every country. And I think that's one of our, like, uh, how can I say that key differentiators compared to some of our, uh, competitors is we have, uh, we, we have success in almost every market where we spend money on, uh, why is because of the quality of the UN, the monetization we do behind. Um, so. Again, like, uh, yeah, definitely obviously the U.S. and there is no way you can be, uh, you can be successful without okay. the U.S. market and the U.S. market, I would say. But uh, we have uh, good surprises and as the time goes by, we have market that we were not making money maybe last year and now like it's going and it's growing. So uh, we keep an eye on every market for sure. Do you have a, sorry to cut you off, Mads. Um, do you have a, you mentioned China and I know that uh, you, I think, I'm pretty sure you need a gaming license there. Is that something you guys have or you've applied for? Um, yeah, so we have like, you know, local partners that help us sometimes to publish games. Uh, we are also, we see, try to be compliant with iOS and, you know, you have to remove all the in-app purchase. Yep. So we try to, to play by the book and, uh, but it's really hard. If you don't have any local presence, I would say it's really hard to actually tackle the market. Um, but we also leverage and we, we, we get a lot of information from the, some of the studios that are based in China that actually partner for ours and they help us to actually maybe sometimes put us in, uh, in contact with uh, some, uh, uh, some local like, you know, partners, for instance. Cool. Nice. Yeah, I feel like yeah. any market it's, it's... that has moms are down to play hyper-casual games. Me and moms love hyper-casual games, um, but... <laughs> That does make me wonder, is Hama trying to expand and do something outside of hyper-casual games in the future? Um, yes, we, we, we mainly focus on gaming, but uh, I think we see ourselves as an entertainment, entertainment sorry, mobile company. So that when I say that, it's basically like we are looking at uh, outside of gaming and we definitely have some internal projects that have you know, got nothing to do with gaming, but we try to leverage on all the... Uh, you know, knowledge that we gathered on gaming to actually apply them on anything that could be outside of gaming. So, and I think it's pretty exciting. Uh, so we are working on, on, you know, a few projects internally. Awesome. And, yeah, that's awesome. Where I think, I think Madeline and I are both, uh, we, we, we enjoy, uh, various forms of entertainment. And so I think we're looking forward to see what, what comes from you guys outside of games. That should be pretty cool. And, you know, also because we have a really cool uh, relationship with almost all our studios we work with and some of them sometimes they would come with a cool idea saying you guys like, you know, can we partner on this? So, okay, so it's nothing to do with gaming, but what do you think about the idea? And we are super curious. So sometimes we say, yeah, why not? Let's give it a shot. Like you can work on the prototype and then you send us a prototype and then we can decide together what we're going to do with it. Uh, so, so sometimes innovation come from us and we do something outside of gaming within OMA Games in Paris or in Toulouse. But sometimes actually the innovation is going to come from a studio based in Dubai and they will come up with, uh, I don't know, any, any, 
any cool apps and we are like, yeah, let's look into it. And why not like, you know, puppy shake within six months or one year. So yeah, I think it's pretty cool because one day you work on mobile and the next day you're going to be working on something that yeah. has got nothing to do with mobile. Yeah, that's really cool. So super interesting. Um, and actually I lied. I, I do have one more question. I guess, I guess <laughs> right, we should ahead. end with, uh, with this, um, for, for any, you know, developers that think they have a great idea or a great game, uh, what is the process like for them to uh, submit to you? Uh, they can go directly on Oma Games on the website. There is like a dedicated page for that. They can submit like a short video. And then obviously there is someone who's going to assess, you know, the, the video and, and get back to them uh, within one day. Doesn't matter oh, like, wow. you know, the, the time or, or the country. Also, there is, of course, the classic email uh, contact at omagames.com. Uh, there is someone checking every morning, every afternoon. So we are always on the on the hunt, I would say, for any any cool studio joining Oma Games for a few months or actually ideally a few years. So we try to have a long-term contract with our partners. Mm -hmm. Nice. Excellent. You hear that, game developers? Or <laughs> <laughs> one himself will look it over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. I think that's that's all we got. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, and I, Thanks you know, I hope to speak with you guys again in the soon, uh, again in the future soon. You know, <laughs> if you uh, have any exciting uh, launches or anything new going on, we'll definitely check in. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, thanks a lot. Yeah, we uh, check our iOS and and Play Store page for the next few months. I mean, you might find like a couple of surprises. So yeah, definitely, if you guys can play and let us know what you think about those. Cool yeah. Big market tease right there. <laughs> exactly we must do that <laughs> thanks for the time guys being great to actually have a yeah you. thanks so much bye welcome back hope you enjoyed the the interview there with uh erwan and uh airbnb confidentially filed for uh an ipo and so i think that it is slated to happen before 2020 closes out but uh i don't know for a fact and they it, it's interesting if you look at the data, which Madeline did do, of course, um, places like, like, you know, like your Marriott hotel, your Hilton hotel, um, even something like an Expedia or, or, a, or a hotels.com app. Those are not doing as well as things like home away, VRBO and Airbnb. I think, do you think it's because people just think they're safer and there's less people there? It's kind of like a space you have to yourself. Like those have recovered. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think it's a lot of things. One, I think some people, some like medical workers had to go to an Airbnb or VR, VR, VR BRBO. rental uh, because they had to isolate from family or right. like people who didn't want to be with their roommates, people uh, getting onto that work from anywhere trend are just trying to be like, I'd rather be claustrophobic in Maine than be claustrophobic <laughs> in New York, you know? Uh, Same. A couple mix, mix of things. Um, and you, you wrote earlier in a, in a blog post that didn't, was it VRBO? Did it hit like an all time high? Yeah. VRBO saw its highest growth in its lifetime. Um, it's a little dated now, but at the time period I had looked at, it had increased net new installs, which are essentially new users, 113%, um, over the past two months. And I wrote that blog in June. So right. Um, yeah, it's a huge growth and it, it is a smaller app, like a much smaller app than let's say an Airbnb. Um, Airbnb though also recovered like from it's not fully, I think from its lowest point, it came up like 
uh, 11% up from its lowest point. Okay. And, uh, that's when I checked it back in June. So maybe it's recovered even more. Yeah. It, and Airbnb isn't without like it, it was not like you're saying it was not fully unimpacted or anything by the, by the pandemic. They, they did have layoffs. They did uh, have a severe dive in service, but they're just in terms of like a recovery places like, like these are, are certainly doing better than, you know, traditional hotels from, from right. the mobile app data standpoint. Yeah, that's, that's the big thing. If small apps are growing and Airbnb, even though it's on a dip, is, is going to be fine. She recovered well. It's going to be fine. Um, though, should note that I think it was valued uh, in April at 18 billion, Airbnb was. And I, I guess that's like half what it was worth in 2017. Wow. All right. Um, what? Uh, oh, oh, let's, let's quickly touch on. Uh, Reels, which is Instagram's, it's a feature within the Instagram app. It's supposed to be competitive with TikTok. It's a short form social video thing. Uh, it, from a performance standpoint, we, we looked at time spent in app because like that's the goal, right? They want you to spend more time in the app. They can, they can serve you more ads. You're more engaged. Um, and so looking at time spent in app daily, both US, worldwide, when Reels launched, uh, <laughs> essentially unchanged, right? So Reels didn't do it. And same thing, you know, downloads, DAUs, they're not off their trajectories. So Reels was not a, it was not a big boon for Instagram. Now Instagram's a massively large app. And so maybe it wouldn't be, and maybe this is more of a strategical push to keep people from moving away from Instagram to TikTok and, and to keep them there. But I, I know you yourself, you're, you use Instagram. I yeah. just happen to not. So you've, you've seen some Reels. And I, I read a New York Times article essentially eviscerating the product, uh, which, which was funny to, yeah, funny to read. And it just, it, it essentially said the editing is not nearly as um, easy. What, what it took, what it took the reporter, I believe it was Taylor Lorenz of the New York Times. It she said it took her about, you know, I don't know, 30 seconds to create uh, a TikTok, whereas when she tried to do that same thing in Reels, it took her about five minutes, which is massive. The amount of content you can push yeah. out, the their user retention, th these things are all being affected through that time spent. Yeah, I can completely agree with that review. I was on Instagram earlier and I was like, I'll try out this Reels feature myself. And um, literally, I like took a video. It was, I actually tried to take a video of you, Adam. I don't know if you noticed. I did not. Since <laughs> at the beginning of this call. And uh, and then it was not clear what the next step was. I just like took the video and there are a couple icons on the side, but yeah, it does not make it clear like what to do next or how it edits together. So um, yeah, that's an issue. And then I've mentioned this to Adam before, but really when you're on your feed and you're going through the like suggested page, um, Reels has essentially just replaced like IGTV videos, it appears. And so I don't, it's like, you're watching a reel. And I'm like, this doesn't look any different from the content I was seeing before. Right. That, yeah, that's super interesting. Um, yeah, no real big change. I, I just went and no pulled up the review and house. Big change. <laughs> No real big change. Um, yeah, I went to pull up the review analysis to see if there was going to be like a spike in like negative reviews or just straight up confusion. I didn't see anything on the surface, but for that stuff, uh, I could dive a little deeper, see if we can uncover something for next time. Yeah. So, so what? Uh, you released some data though on whether or not it impacted Instagram's app, 
right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We spoke about. I spoke about that. Just the time spent. It wasn't. It didn't change. Didn't do the. Not yet. I'm sure they're getting user reviews that say, or or they read the New York Times article that says this is not nearly as good as TikTok. And so I'm sure they're taking note and they'll probably make it better. Uh, it's. I'm sure it's worth their time and their money to make it better, given given how um, popular TikTok is and 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 everything surrounding that. So, all right. Do you uh, do you want to talk about anything else? Do you want to play in or out? I'm down playing her out. I mean, I could talk forever though, but we can do it. (laughs) All right. So we should, we should get to in or out then. Um, All right. You download an app. It's a new app. Mm. You want to use it. And so you can't just use anything right away anymore. Right. Unless it's like a game. Sometimes you're allowed to get right into a game, but basically anything else you got to either create an account or log in or do something. And so Madeline, Madeline Lenahan, when you download these apps, uh, do you, are you in or out on using the login with Facebook and or Google, or do you like to create a fresh personalized Madeline account? Great question. Glad you asked. Yeah. I like to use the Google, not the Facebook. Okay. And I can use Google because I have like four different Gmails and I have one specifically for junk and one specifically for more serious things and then i have my work gmail so between one of those like three or maybe my fourth one i can it it works fine but why so and and facebook because you only have one you just don't want to like deal with that whatever whatever that is i'm like just trying to hide from the world so i deactivate as i'm on a podcast video podcast crushing um, it yeah i try to deactivate my facebook often and i only log into on the occasion when i need to like sell something on marketplace or like say hello to an aunt or something so i don't like to log in with my old facebook um and it has not been updated since like 2017 nice i uh yeah, I take the easy way out, man. I know the uh, both Facebook and Google, uh, you know, are notorious for their data collection, and so I, you know, they're getting things from me. I, I get it. Um, at the same time, to have a username and password, and they know this; these companies know this. To have a username and password for everything is just too ridiculous for me. So yeah, I, I hit the login with Facebook or the login with with Google button every time. Um, I have not come across the login with Apple yet, but I'm sure I would use that just as easily. And, um, what have you come across the login with Apple? Um, no, but I mean, just fun fact, every time Apple is like sign back in to your iTunes or your account, I can never remember my password, which is again, why I like automatic logins. Yep. 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 I've been using the, the thumbprint a lot more these days. Uh, cause I used to be, uh, I used to be like type it all out all the time and now it's just, it's too, it's too much. Yeah. Okay. Non-app in or out. It's summertime. It's hot out sometimes. Um, When it's hot out, people like to go to the beach. And we'll leave it at that. Well, very simple. Madeline, are you in or out on going to the beach? Okay. Short answer, out. I'm, I'm out as well. We, 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 we don't go over like each other's answers. We like hope so badly that we, that we disagree. And we want to disagree. I know. And a lot of times we don't because that way we could have like an argument. Uh, yeah. But maybe, maybe it's for different reasons. Why don't you like going to the beach? Um, so I 
to be fair, like I love swimming in the ocean, but if anything, I'm going to go at like 7 PM and risk the sharks and jump in then when no one's there. Is 7 PM a shark time? Yeah. I just know. I don't know. It seems like a scarier time to go. I've been told to be careful at that time. And I'm like, no, that's when I'll go. Oh, it's, it's darker. I guess it could affect their eyesight. Yeah. I uh, don't like the beach uh, for a lot of reasons. I tolerate the beach to all any of my friends listening who are like, she went to the beach with us last week. Um, I'm pale. I am so pale. And so I burn and I have to make sure to apply so much sunscreen. I also am a contact lens wearer, which makes the beach uncomfortable. And I'm also like, I'm kind of an activity based person. So I'm not really someone who likes to just sit there. I'm, I want to like be in the water and really, I feel like the majority of people don't want to be in the water the whole time. So yeah, that's, I, I think I've covered most of my points. I don't like going to the beach either, again, because I don't know what there is to do there besides sit in the sand. If we're playing volleyball, I like volleyball. Maybe yeah. I'll go. But uh, yeah, I, here's where we do disagree. Mm. I will not swim in the ocean. I am, I am a scuba diver, and I will dive, but I will not swim in the ocean where I don't have you know, a mask on, where I can see, I don't have an air tank, and, I, uh, and I'm swimming, you know, but I, at least we, we live in Massachusetts and Cape Cod's around here. You'll show up at a beach. You'll see a, you know, a sea lion or a seal just like swimming through the waves, like what, 20 feet out. And you're like, <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> fully clothed. You literally need to be in a whole suit, like a blankie in the water. Yeah. I, give me an air tank in case there's like a riptide. Give me the mask so I can see what's going on. Like, I, I other really than that, thought I, you were going to be pro ocean because I knew you like scuba diving. I love scuba diving. I will not swim in the ocean. If that makes sense. If, you know, from the beach, from the beach, I'll jump off a boat and I'll go in. Let's have at it. But yeah, yeah with shoes on. Yeah. Flip fins. We call them fins. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for, for, uh, for this episode. So we'll see you guys in, in two weeks and we're still figuring out, uh, I think what we are as a podcast. I think Madeline and I have no idea what we are as a podcast yet. We've done like news recap stuff in the past. If you've, if anyone has ever been listening to every episode, um, but, and, and, you know, maybe we're, we're going to just try and go deeper into a few things. We're going to figure it out, but, um, thanks for, thanks for listening to this. Yeah, thanks for listening. Let us know what you like, don't like. Tweet us. We'd love to hear it. This is it. What? Lucini pouring from the sky. Let's get rich. What? The GK Vance and Sugar Dimes can't quit. What? Now pop the cork and steam the Vega and get